Father, please help us to be people who are humble and contrite and tremble at your word. Please would you um, teach us uh, what you what you teach us today through 1 Thessalonians. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, so um, well, up on the screen you can see these series of three. We've been going countercultural. Um, last week we did countercultural sex. This week we're doing countercultural hope, hope in the face of death. Next week, countercultural community. Let me read the passage, uh, countercultural hope. And um, we'll get into it. Uh, But we did not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, Paul says to the Thessalonian church, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober." having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Well, maybe it's an uncomfortable question to begin with, but what do we do, what should we do with uh, grief? People in society do different things, but one observation, I think, is that our society likes to try and avoid the topic as much as possible. Um, so the wharf lets you kid yourself that it, it's not really an issue, death is not an issue, because everyone in the wharf is aged between 21 and 65, and then they, they, they leave, they retire, and we don't think about what happens. <laughs> Uh, my nan lives in the um, lives in Bexhill on Sea, which has the highest average age in Western Europe. All old people retire there. Uh, we're just distant as a society from uh, from death. We don't like to think about it. Someone came to um, uh, an event with Jeremy Marshall. Jeremy Marshall is a former bank CEO, and he now faces a terminal cancer diagnosis, and he came to talk to us about his faith in Jesus and the difference it makes in in the face of death. Uh, But one non-Christian lady who came um, was just actually just really disturbed just by the questions Marcus was asking of Jeremy. They weren't outrageous questions, I didn't think. Just, what do you think will happen when you die? Uh, How are you processing the thought of leaving your family behind? But she just didn't want to engage even with those questions. Well, what should a Christian response be? 
Well, in some sense, the Bible says there are no words. Just says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. When Jesus gets to the graveside of his friend, even though he knows he's going to raise Lazarus, he just cries. And yet this passage says there's there's more that we can say in the face of death. Verse 13, I didn't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to grieve as others do who have no hope. To grieve, but not as those without hope. This passage is setting out for us the Christian hope. First off, that we will be with Christ then. All Christians will be with Christ forever. Uh, 4 verse 18, all Christians caught up in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Um, These are core Christian beliefs. If you're looking in at the claims of the Christian faith here with us this lunchtime, um, Jesus came a first time to die on a cross to... Uh, offer forgiveness, yet he is coming back a second time to usher in the new creation, uh, to be judge of all, uh, and to take all Christians to be with him forever. Um, maybe this just sounds like a bit of a, a fairy tale to you. Well, verse 14 would say, look at the resurrection. Did you see that? For reason, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Read one of the gospel accounts. Many eyewitnesses saw Jesus die. Many eyewitnesses claim they saw Jesus alive again after he died. And they were willing to go to their deaths to stand with that claim. Uh, if Jesus rose, Christianity hangs on that question. If Jesus rose, well then there is hope for us in the face of death. And if Jesus rose, that means there's somebody who's gone beyond death and come back to tell us what is on the other side. We can trust him. It's factual. But this passage isn't primarily talking about that. It's talking about just how wonderful it is that this is true. We could talk about the wonder of a new creation paradise. No more sickness, mourning, crying or pain. That's the biblical picture. But the emphasis here is on being with Jesus. Did you see that in verse 17? We will always be with the Lord. Together with all Christians that we've, uh, maybe we've lost, but we will be together with the Lord. Or 5 verse 10, we will live with him. Uh, so someone in our resident congregation recently flew all the way to New Zealand, um, that wonderful country to go and visit. Um, And yet he didn't go for the scenery, he went because that's where his dad is and he wanted to spend time with his dad before his dad, um, uh, well his dad's on the way downhill uh, from a health perspective. Um, The big thing, the relationship. Uh, I remember when I first um, became a Christian, I think God used a a book that set out to a 16 year old me um, the uh, the gospel from an eternal perspective. So it just was pretty blunt about things, but it tried, it did a good job of painting a picture of what, how wonderful the new creation is going to be. So I was like, I don't know, what, it, what will it be like? Maybe we'll get to go skiing in the morning and surfing in the afternoon. It's, it's going to be great. And I was excited about going to new creation. I, I think what the book didn't do was get me quite as excited about going to be with Jesus, right? Um, that's what this passage holds up as the best thing. <laughs> Uh, about uh, the new creation. Uh, we'll be there. We'll, we'll all be there, whether we're Christians who are uh, asleep, dead when Jesus returns, or those that are awake when Jesus returns. 
Uh, the Thessalonians were clearly young Christians and confused about this. Um, but all Christians will be there. So verse 15, this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, as in those that have died. Um, some of us will be watching the um, bodyguard on BBC at the moment. Um, I'll try not to give any spoilers in case you want to catch up on iPlayer. But um, one of the characters is believed to be dead at the moment. Um, it looks like they're not going to be there for the happy ending, which you presume is coming. And yet social media is rife with how the, how the plot, uh, you know, the script writers are going to somehow bring it around so that actually it turns out they weren't, they're not really dead and they will be there. Uh, for the happy ending. I'm hoping that happens, but I've got no proof. This is real. We will all be there, uh, dead or alive, for the happy ending if we're Christian. Um, this one is true. Um, and that means that we're to grieve, Christians grieve, and yet we're not to grieve as people with no hope. Where the world stares down the barrel of nihilistic nothinglessness and meaninglessness, we can grieve with hope that we will see fellow Christians again. And yet, I don't want us to be, um, just to dodge the harder question here. I guess the question is, well, what does this mean for grieving those that um, have died and yet uh, don't seem to have trusted Christ? I think we want to remember what we don't know and what we do know. Uh, What we don't know, we don't know what passed between uh, them and their creator in the moments before they died. Um, We don't know, maybe they did place their trust in Christ. We don't know. Uh, What we do know is that God is good, that he is the judge of all the earth, that he will do right, that he rescues all those that put their trust in Jesus, that we can leave other people's deaths in a sense, in his hand, in the way that we leave our own deaths in his hand. Uh, We won't um, look at the next point, but the the big application um, this passage wants to make in verse 18 is that we encourage one another with these words. uh, That we remember the wonder of the gospel and what's to come. Uh, when was the last time you thought to yourself, uh, if you're a Christian, I'm, I'm just longing to be with Jesus in heaven? When was the last time you thought that? Second question, when was the last time you said it to somebody else who is a Christian? Um, uh, I got a, a text from a friend the other day. Uh, he's a guy called Martin. He's a bus driver and his practice in, in the gap between his shifts is to have a quiet time and then send a text round to lots of friends just to tell them what he's learned in his quiet time today. Here was the text I got while I was writing this talk. Watch your map. He's a, he's a cockney. Uh, marvel at this. Um, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Can't wait, mate. That was my, that was my text from Martin. Um, wouldn't it be great if there were more uh, Martins out there? Uh, First point, we'll be with Christ then. Second point, get ready for Christ now. Ready for Christ now. Uh, Jesus is coming back. We must be ready. Verse 2, you yourselves are fully aware the day of the Lord will come. Uh, So if you know someone's about to arrive, what do you do? You get 
ready, right? If you know senior management is coming to visit your office, you make sure the report is done, and you might even tidy up a little bit, whatever it is you do to get ready. Well, Paul uses two images in this passage, uh, and he uses them to teach Christians and um, non-Christians. He uses the image of thieves. So verse 4, you're not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. And then he uses the image of um, pregnancy in verse 3. To Christians, he's saying, look, uh, this should be no surprise to you. You know it's coming. So that's the point of the... Uh, labor image in some sense. If you're pregnant, you know that labor is coming. You don't know the exact time, that's his point in verse one, but you, you know it's coming. So live in the light of that reality. Mary and I, when our, our first was being born, um, she went on maternity leave at 37 weeks, 40 weeks of the due date, and, um, we thought, okay, we've got some Tesco vouchers to use up, we're gonna go on a spa weekend away. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Um, just on the way to the weekend, we went to the hospital to get some test results, which we thought were just routine. It turned out they said to us, no, you're having the baby today. The baby is coming. <laughs> we're going to uh, induce you early. Uh, we should have known. It could happen at any time. Uh, we should have been ready, you could say. The return is no surprise. We're to live like it's coming. We're to be ready, we're to be found trusting Jesus when he returns or when we die. Uh, We're to be found living a life that will make sense on Judgment Day. Uh, So Paul's writing to a whole load of Christians who are really struggling for being Christians. They're getting in the neck. They're ready to suffer and that makes sense because they know what's to come. If this life is all there is, then eat, drink and be merry. Just wring everything you can out of this life. Uh, But if there's a world to come, well, then you're able, you're given a category in which you can begin to say, yes, I'm ready to suffer to side with Jesus. And the Thessalonians lived in the light of Jesus' return by not just suffering, but by speaking of Jesus. So 1 verse 8 says that the word of God rang forth all around their region. Uh, That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I remember um, as I was reading this book, uh, I just... I was just like, well, well, the most obvious thing to do now is to try and tell other people about this. So I, I, mean, I made a complete hash of it, and I probably uh, didn't do a great job, but I sort of took my friend Rob, and I marched him down to Starbucks, and I sat him down, and I just tried to explain the gospel to him, and I tried to say, look, you've got to become a Christian. You, you've got to become a Christian. Um, it just makes sense, doesn't it, to live in the light of future realities. Uh, no surprise to us, uh, an awful surprise to others, this passage would say. Um, so the thief image says something about timing, but it also shows us how destructive it can be. I can still remember coming back as a five-year-old into our house um, in Lambeth to find uh, the place burgled, ransacked, and the TV gone and the engagement ring gone. Awful. Or verse 3, when people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Uh, maybe we're to picture the, those people driving over the bridge in Genoa that collapsed a few weeks ago. Um, 
just driving along, happy holidays, peace, security. And then suddenly, while humanity is driving along, living for self, not God, not others, suddenly we'll come face to face with God as judge. This passage doesn't pull its punches, does it? You know, verse 9 speaks like the destination, the natural destination of all of humanity is to be destined for wrath, for God's settled just hostility against all that is wrong. As a whole, we are heading over the edge. And yet verse 9 speaks about the hope of salvation in Christ Jesus. There's a way to get ready for Jesus' return. There's a story that came out of the Genoa Bridge um, collapse. A guy called Luciano Gatia, um, he stepped out of his truck, uh, I think it was like two, three seconds before the bridge collapsed, and he was underneath the bridge. And uh, he stepped out of the truck, and the way the rubble fell sent a massive blast of air that just chucked him free of the rest of the falling debris. And his truck was crushed, but he was safe. Uh, In the gospel, there's a way for us to avoid what should fall on us uh, and find that all of God's justice falls not on us but on Jesus, that we could be safe. Uh, We're to get ready for Christ by trusting him now um, and and speaking of him to others. Maybe you think the thought of um, speaking to others about Jesus, maybe you're not a Christian here and you just think, it's just weird that Christians want to do that. Um, I I was hearing... uh, but a guy who's an atheist, part of a comedy duo called um, Penn and Teller in the States, and he, he said, well, it's, not the Christi- it's not the Christians who want to talk to me about Jesus I've got a problem with, it's the Christians who don't want to talk to me about Jesus. How much have you got to hate somebody to believe what they believe and then not want to tell them? It's sad it takes an atheist to say those words to us. Um, ready for Christ now. Um, And in a sense, this next point is following on from the previous, but to live in light of the future. We've already begun to talk about that, in willing to side with Jesus now, willing to speak of Jesus now. Uh, But verse 5 to 11 takes a slightly different flavour, and it starts to talk to us about uh, the morality of how we live. Um, Some of us will remember um, the show Tomorrow's World. So it previewed the technology of tomorrow, And it said, well, the technology of tomorrow can be yours today if you get this right bit of technology. And sometimes it was CDs or whatever it is, revolutionary, groundbreaking things like that. Well, this passage makes the same move. Um, uh, So verse 2 talks about tomorrow's world. It says the day of the Lord will come. But verse 5 treats it like a today thing. For you are now all children of light, children of the day. Uh, and it's a moral flavour. So children of light is a, is a moral thing. It means being a child of purity, right? Um, verse 7 says, flee dark nighttime living. So those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Paul is saying our, our moral tomorrow, how we're to spend eternity, is to affect how we're to live today. So we will spend all eternity, the Bible would teach, living a morally pure life. Um, It's what we've been saved to. Uh, And it's to impact us today. Um, 
if you become a, a, a Wharf CEO um, in one of the companies here, you're, you're lined up for that job. What do they want from you? They uh, Supposedly, they want you not just to be a bog-standard employee. Sorry, bog-standard employees in the room. They want you to embody the company's visions and values, right? You know, you need to be a person of integrity because we are a company of integrity. You embody the visions and values. Well, that's what it is um, for us in a sense. We're to embody God's visions and values. It's what we'll do for all eternity and it's what we're to do today while we wait for the consummation of that. That means we're to have sober minds. Um, we're not to sleep, verse 6, as others do, but keep awake and be sober. Uh, before that's about avoiding drunkenness, it's about a whole mindset change. What you don't want is for that CEO to go out and get drunk the night before he is announced. Uh, not because you just, not just because you don't want the pictures of the drunkenness, but because you don't want the pictures of what might come with the drunkenness, right? Because when you're drunk, you just forget the future. You just get lost in the moment, in the present. In all of the Christian life, we're not to do that. We're not to get sucked into the moment. We're to live remembering what's to come in the future. Verse 8 makes that point. We're to put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. We're to remember the hope of what's to come in the future so that we could live in the light of it now. And sober minds will lead to sober actions. It will change how we live. Uh, We're called to live as children of the king. So 1 Thessalonians calls us to flee selfishness, flee hurting others, flee sexual immorality. Um, Soberness in our passage means way more than just not getting drunk, but it does mean don't get drunk, right? Uh, It includes that. Uh, So let's just... Pause on that. Um, how much are we drinking at work socials? Why are we drinking more than a glass or two? Uh, how often after work do we reach for a glass and then another and then another? Christians are called to live uh, sober lives. Um, many in our world drink in order to forget, and yet Christians don't have to forget. They've got a wonderful reality to engage with and to live in the light of. Uh, living in the light of the future, with Christ then, ready for Christ now. Uh, let me lead us in a prayer and there'll be a chance to ask questions and chat these things through. Father, we um, we pray you'd help us to remember the future um, and to live in the light of it now. Uh, please change how we act, how we speak. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.